Morning Show, Sports at 5.9 of the Fan, Bad NS, Brent Gunning. Leafs wrapping up a three-game California road trip against the moribund San Jose mm. Sharks. We've lost 10 consecutive, quite bad. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? They're due. They, they caused the Oilers to have a head coaching change. So right. They have won the occasional game this season. Uh, it's been a while, though. Mm-hmm. 10 consecutive losses tomorrow night. It's a franchise Martin Jones knows very, mm-hmm. very well. Uh, he is second in Sharks history in wins, goalie games played. He's sixth in save percentage. He's been really unreal this year. He's got a 930 save percentage Remarkable. now over 10 games. And that involves, like, there's some stinkers in there. Like, in relief in Buffalo of Ilya Samsonov, mm-hmm. he gave up more goals than Ilya Samsonov. None as smelly as the ones Samsonov gave up. No. But, yeah, he's still got a 930 save percentage this year with the goals against of 2-2-0. He has never had a save percentage above 900 since the 17-18 season. He's never had a save percentage of 930 uh, going back in, to his rookie season where he played 19 games for the Kings at the age of 24 and had a 934 save mm-hmm. percentage. So we do a lot of regression talk. People love regression talk. They're like, you guys haven't talked about regression yet. You've been on the air for two hours. <laughs> Let's get to it. So Austin Matthews with the shooting percentage over 18%, all he's going to regress mm. down slightly. Yep. And I've countered that with, yeah, well, he had the low shooting percentage last year, and you combine the two, and maybe this is actually kind of this is the regression positively that mm. he didn't get last year, and maybe that makes sense. If you believe in regression, especially over a longer sample, there's got to be a slump coming for Martin Jones here, doesn't there? You'd think, uh, it, but... I think the way we feel about that slump will be completely caused by the team that plays in front of him. I think we all know what's up with Martin Jones. Even people who are the most bullish on him as being able to, you know, carry the mail until Joe Wall comes back or Ilya Samsonov gets the right amount of pixie dust thrown on him down, down in the Marlies. Even the people who are most bullish on that think that this is a guy playing above his head, but We've used the example all year long. They don't need, or at least they shouldn't need Martin Jones to stop 31 of 33 shots or something along those lines. They should need him to not let in the fifth goal every single night because this is a team that you don't want to get into track meets, but you also need to realize what you're playing with right now. And you're a team that's probably going to, they haven't needed it so far in Jones tenure to his credit, but going forward, you're probably going to need more offense than you would. If you had a guy who again, wasn't your third goalie who passed through waivers at the beginning of the year. So I look at it as, yeah, there's some regression coming, but I don't think we'll look at that as a sign that, you know, Martin Jones is, uh, has let this team down or undid anything. This is all found money right now. It is. It is. It's, it's, I mean, it's found money that you've needed. Like for you sure. <laughs> yeah, they were destitute. <laughs> it's like, oh, I don't have money for dinner. Good thing I found this money so we can eat today. Yeah, and it's like a ham sandwich. <laughs> but whatever. It's like, but right now, it that, tastes pretty good. It's a ham sandwich, but you bit in, and it's like there's caviar in the middle uh, yeah. for some reason with the 930 save. Yeah. Um, so the Ducks are one thing, right? The Ducks stink, and I made my case for why you, you'd be okay starting Dennis Hill to be in the back end of back-to-backs mm-hmm. going into that game and whatever. Scoreboard, they won it, and Martin Jones had to make some saves, mm-hmm. 27 of them, if I believe, um, and none of them like super high danger, but whatever, he did it. Ducks are smelly, stinky this season. 
They're they're now with that loss, uh, 13-23 and one. That was the first overtime loss. As I mentioned, they were 4-0 going into uh, overtime and shootouts before that that Leafs loss in, in overtime. The Sharks are a different level of suckitude, okay? They're six points back despite having played two more games. They're 9-27-3, as I mentioned, riding a 10-game losing streak. The Ducks, goal differential. Yes, minus my favorite. Minus 30, that's mm-hmm. bad. Like that's minus, bad. Pff, minus 30, come on. You played 37 games, you get minus 30. The Sharks are minus 81, okay? <laughs> the Sharks are minus 81. And I get, like, there's a there's a back-to-back coming, and Sheldon mm-hmm. Keefe has said that Dennis Hildeby is going to get into a game, and we're going to need him at some point. I don't know that he's explicitly stated that. I he feel did. Like, did. He did. He, he said. I thought explicit. he said he wanted to. Like, I like. There's a very uh, big difference between call, a want like, and a need. Nah, I, I think we're gonna. I think he said we're gonna need him in the NHL okay. at some point. Okay. Maybe he just said at some point. Maybe it wasn't yes. this season yeah. specifically. Yeah, I think he would have given himself a little moonwalking room there. I, I, I don't think you're doing the back-to-back thing against no, the Avs and not. Red Wings. Definitely not. And that's a tough spot to put a kid in for his NHL debut. My God. Like, if you don't feel comfortable enough, like, maybe the Hockey Night in Canada thing plays into it. But, like, this is, to me, to me, tailor-made for Dennis Hildeby's NHL debut tomorrow night in San Jose on the road. Disagree. It, and it's not even about it's not even about any of the points you make about the kid. I think they all make sense. But... You have to, to a certain extent, reward Martin Jones for, again, like it's overstating it to a certain extent, but it's also not. Saving your season. Give him the game in San Jose where he played for so long. And he's rolling right now, yeah, if you believe he, in that too. But he's played in San Jose before. Like he played in Seattle last year. Like Yeah, he went in there as a as a limping, wounded Kraken. I was about to say wounded duck, but you know, he doesn't play for them. He plays for the Kraken. He went in there as a shell of his former self. This is arguably a better version than they ever saw. Let him show off for the people. I'm not saying you're wrong about Hildeby, but I am right about Jones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what? You just play him forever and ever and ever? No, until he... I told you. You could play him Tuesday as a way to to scare the team in front of him into not having a trap game. By the way, Martin Jones last year with the Kraken in San Jose gave up four goals in a loss what you might do, to the Sharks. What you might do tomorrow night. We'll see. All right, time now for our Insider, brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. It is our Toronto Maple Leafs historian. Toronto Star contributor, Damian Cox. How's it going, Damian? Happy New Year, boys. How you doing? I'm, I'm doing well. Happy New Year to you. Um, you're pushing the limits of Happy New Year. It's it's the fifth, but okay. All right, we got it. <laughs> All right, uh, so who would you start in goal tomorrow? Martin Jones. Okay. You got no issue with I that? I was right before. Now I'm really right. right. Two against so, one. So, so no. Well, he's, d- not, he's not 45. He's, he's, 30, he's 31 years old. He hasn't played most of the season. He's about to be 34 in five days. Whatever. Um, You know, I mean, like, he's he's fine. You know, and, uh, you know, they don't have uh, a legitimate option at this point. Now, sure, you can take a a gamble and play the kid, and eventually they may have to. Um, I understand that. But the kid may also be a placeholder for now. They might bring in somebody else. Um, I'll do, I mean, you, you really don't want to play this kid until you, until you have uh, more uh, knowledge about where he is in his development. He's there because they have nobody else and they are absolutely desperate. He may turn out to be an, a hall of famer, but 
right now, you play Martin Jones. The team's playing really well in front of him. Um, he's bringing stability to the crease. He's bringing um, uh, stability to the way in which he handles the puck when it goes into his own end. He doesn't do crazy stuff. Um, and the team, at least the last two games against teams of very different abilities, uh, is playing very well in front of them. I thought I thought they were terrific against the Kings. Maybe the best game they played all year. And then they just overwhelmed the Ducks team. That you know, you, you I heard you just talking about trap games. You play against Anaheim, you know they're terrible, mm-hmm. and they're also missing guys. It's easy for guys to take shortcuts and get points, and they didn't do that at all. So I like the way they're playing in front of them. They need the points. Um, you don't want to go into San Jose against the NHL's worst team and lose. So I think you play your your, your best lineup. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. And I actually thought Ben, you know, arguing against himself earlier in the show made a great point that if you do play... He, he, he does that. I, he I does. know, I know. I, I don't even know what you're about to say, but when, I don't discount the possibility. <laughs> when you said if they if they play Hildeby in the game against the Ducks and there's one not great goal early on, do you kind of undo the momentum and what this team has built? The idea of, oh, we're finally playing well for a guy and all of a sudden, great. Somehow worse than Samsonov is back there. Like, I think there's some element of the kind of mental aspect of it. So again, you were right about this before mm. let's get back to that uh ben you know in terms of the in in terms of the goaltending and and what they're going to do with it are you of any mind or any belief that Samsonov can come back? I have fluctuated on this 15 times since they've sent him away. I could be talked into believing there's a world where he comes back and is the backup. I could be talked into a world where we never see him again. I could even, even see a world. I have to squint and I don't really believe in it, but where he is right back to part of a true tandem with this team. What is your read on Samsonov? Can you remember anything like this? It's just such a, such an odd situation, Damo. I think this kind of fits with his whole career, to be honest with you. I mean, let's go back to when he was a draft age. He was the guy. He was going to be the next uh, Terry Sawchuk. He was that good coming out of Russia. And then it didn't quite develop that way. And then let's remember, this is a guy the Capitals let walk away. Mm-hmm. They just let him walk away. Even though he had been their goalie of the future for five or six years. Uh, since since the day he was drafted. So he had real ups and downs there. They just weren't publicized like things, goalie struggles are publicized here in Toronto. Now he comes to Toronto, has that brilliant game uh, to win game six against Tampa, then gets hurt. And we're not, we don't really know the extent of these injuries or how bad it was. Guys struggle to get come back from injuries. I think that's part of his story. And we also don't know what the heck's going on in his life, right? And we never know what the heck could be going on in these lives. And I don't want to know what's going on in their lives because it's not, we, then it becomes, well, you know, he forgot the groceries this morning and his wife's mad at him. So how can we expect <laughs> her to play well? Right. Like, I think I still so, did a pretty good show today. I got to say, <laughs> well, we're, it's not over. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, so do I see the, him coming back? Absolutely. He's been that kind of a mercurial goalie his entire NHL career. And uh, I think they've done exactly the right thing um, by sending them down. Now the problem becomes if they're still here at this place in a month, then what do you do? What if they can't, they still can't play him in a month because he's struggling down there or whatever. Then you're into a really dicey period, depending on Joseph Wall. Um, and uh, so I, I think that's where it gets interesting. But yeah, I could see him coming back. Yeah. Um... 
And there's people being paid much more money than me to make the evaluation of, of goaltending and, and who? who's better. Like, who, I don't who know. gets no? Who gets paid no, more I, than it's you? It's only slightly, only slightly more. But like, yeah, a okay. little bit more to 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 you know. Not just throw their hands up like I would do if I was looking at the available <laughs> goaltenders and say like I don't know like I, Dan Vladar sure like maybe, I, I but that's what it feels like Damo like yeah. I don't know maybe Dennis Hildeby is the greatest goalie that ever lived maybe he stinks like maybe Ilya Samsonov can find himself again like maybe Martin Jones is gonna have a resurgent yep. season like it does feel yep. like you'd you'd rather roll the dice with the guys you got I guess than going out on under the under uh, the open market and and getting one of these Dan Vladar types like I, I would you would you use trade equity to go and get just another I guess bullet in the chamber would 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 be the reasoning for it that you get another dart to throw at the dartboard probably not today but ask me again uh Sunday if things don't go well I think this is one of those day-to-day things um, uh, because it's that much. And also, they have information we don't, and that is, what's the health of Joseph Wall and when will he be back? Right. Um, right. So we don't know that information, so we're, we're sort of guessing. But, like, I mean, that's a, around the league right now. You look at the goalies, what's working, what's not, who's in, who's out. Jonathan Quick is now back playing really well after nobody wanted him last year. Um, you know, so uh, to me uh, – I mean, no one even noticed when Martin Jones was signed last summer, uh, which has turned out to be a master stroke by Brad for a living. Imagine if they hadn't signed Martin Jones, where they'd be. Um, and I think the last two games showed that the team can play a lot better as a group in front of them. You didn't see the shortcuts and the stuff. So I, I think just focusing on the goalie is probably a mistake. They got to focus on getting the team to play well in front of any goalie and then hopefully getting enough goalies, to, you know, getting the right goalies in place. Right now, you look at the Leafs as a playoff contender or as a playoff team, you can't take them seriously as a Stanley Cup contender because of their goaltending situation. Now, will it stabilize? Will they have Jones and Wall for the playoffs? Will Samsonov be back? Could they go and get somebody else? All these are variables. But as of today, they don't have goaltending good enough to, to uh, go very far in the playoffs, and that's going to have to change. Yeah, I mean, Joe Wall, uh, it'll be very curious to see how he performs coming off that injury because, you know, high ankle sprain is an interesting one for any athlete, especially a hockey player, especially a goaltender. And, you know, there is a bit of a track record for him at the NHL level now, but it's far from anything that we can be certain about when he's coming back. So, yeah, there will be, you know, even someone like myself who I've been bullish in Wall as anybody, and even I'm pretty, you know, weary of how, not not weary, but, you know, I'd I'd be lying if I wasn't a little nervous in terms of how that would go uh, when he when he comes back. Uh, we're going to have an all-star game in the city. We got our first batch of all-stars yesterday. Surprise, surprise, Austin Matthews is the, the first Leaf representative. You know, it's entirely possible that the ballot box gets stuffed and it's Nylander and Marner and who knows, maybe Tavares as well. But it's also possible that Mitch Marner is maybe on the outside looking in given the season he's had and, you know, the run that Nylander's gone on. How do you think that that would be perceived in the city and with the player? I mean, this is a guy who we know how much it means for him to be a Leaf, and all-star games are always special, but one in your own building even more so. How do you think he would react to, you know, and I know snub talk can be a little ridiculous at times, but I think with that one, it might affect the player maybe more than others. I don't know if that's fair or not. 
I was going to stop you at all all-star games are special and, and debate that point. But, um, <laughs> I remember. Making I an remember all-star what, team is special <laughs> to a player. Is that better? Is I think that better? That, sure. I think any recognition is, uh, is, is great for a player. It's much less uh, being in the all-star game than it was, say, back in the 70s because there are 32 teams. And so you're going to have a lot of deserving players who aren't there because you see one team's represented, right? So, um, you know, uh, the, you know, is Connor Bedard going to be in the all-star game? Is he one of the, whatever, the, the 40 best players in the league right now? Eh, I don't know about that, but he's a young superstar playing for a big market team. He, sure. He should be in the game because it's not about who's the best players in the league. It's about uh, selling stuff and a showcase and, you know, and getting people to buy stuff and tickets and all that it has nothing to do with who's the best in the league. I'm sure Mitch Marner knows that, and I'm sure Mitch Marner would be just as happy to go put his feet in the mm. sand for a few days and take it easy. Now, you know, uh, it, will he, would he view it as a snub? I don't know. I, I think if you got uh, Mitch Marner sat him down, he'd say, well, those two guys have played better than I have this year. And there's, thir- and there's 31 other teams, and we got to fit all those guys in. So, sure, I, you know, I, I think you get it. I would I would argue probably that Morgan Riley in some ways is more deserving of a place because of the load he's carried for this team last year in the playoffs and this season. So I, I don't think Mar- uh, Mitch Marner's uh, had a great year. Um, so does that make him deserving or not deserving? I don't know, but he sure played well the other night, and a big second half is what that team needs out of him. All right, let me throw one more wrinkle of that at you. What if not only is Mitch Marner on the outside looking in and William Nylander is an all-star, but William Nylander also has his shiny new 11, 11.25, 11 and a half, whatever it ends at contract. I mean, we know Marner is available to sign an extension this offseason. As soon as I saw that Nylander number above 11, we know Marner's at 10.9. You know, we know cap dynamics play a part on teams. How do you kind of expect that all to to shake out? Because I'd be lying if I wasn't kind of tying the two things together in my head of a world where, you know, Nylander is the kind of conquering hero of the All-Star game. and He's the talk of the town and he gets all his money at the exact same time to make him the second highest paid player player on the team i think these guys are all so good at making so much money they don't necessarily look at each other and say oh he got this therefore i get that and i how come he got that um you know um uh, you know i want a red tonka toy too uh you know like i I don't think it works that way and i think these guys are also mature enough to know mitch martyr is going to get paid and he's going to be a star in this league either for toronto or one of 31 other teams Mm -hmm. um and they have to figure out the math the cap's going up can they do they want to keep all three guys? Because Mitch Marner becomes, you know, an interesting trading uh, a possibility if they sign Nylander and decide, look, we can't keep them all. Or is John Tavares falling off the payroll going to make a difference depending on what they can sign him for? So, uh, you know, I, I think the Nylander has, has put himself out there without a contract, and he's, he's proven he's worth the big money. Mm-hmm. Marner still, still, there's still room for them to have to decide on that. I think the key thing is with Nylander, he's demonstrating as with Matthews, they want to be in Toronto. They're not interested in, in necessarily, or well, I guess until Nylander signs, we don't know that. But if he does sign, mm-hmm. star players are choosing to be in Toronto. That's good news for that franchise. Yeah, no, they were. They, yeah, uh, Matthews was consistent with his messaging and did put pen to paper, not on an eight-year extension, but I, I mean, the the bulk of his prime years are going to be here in Toronto. He's going to be 30 years old by the th- uh, by the time that thing 
uh, wraps up. Um, that's the, uh, you can imagine a scenario where he spends his entire career here in Toronto and all indications from William Nylander was he also wanted to be a Toronto Maple Leaf and all indications are that that's on the verge of happening. Um, this is a guy with obviously great draft pedigree as well. What, eight, eighth overall selection uh, by the Toronto Maple Leafs and he's, he's put up good statistical seasons. They've continued to get better. But like earlier on in his career, the, the inconsistencies were more evident and now it's just so few and far between and, and the responsibility he's been given playing in all scenarios on the penalty kill, um, playing against the opposition's empty net. Um, I, are you surprised that William Nylander has turned into this? No, no. I mean, you, you never know, uh, you know, because uh, exactly how guys are going to develop. But, you know, given what he was and what they saw and, and also understanding the kind of way this guy trains, um, and the kind of athlete he is beyond just as a hockey player. I mean, he's he's a, I would he's not a unicorn because there's guys who play like him, but he's a unique athlete. Um, he comes from a hockey family, um, and therefore he has an understanding of the business of the sport as well as the sport itself, which is we saw on his first contract um, fight with the team. So uh, no, I, you know I'm not surprised, but. You ju- you just never know. Look at that draft, right? I mean, you look at that right. draft, and you, and and the guys who turned out, and the guys who didn't, and that. And right now, I guess that's the dry saddle draft, right? I think. Uh, you know, I, I think you'd look at that draft and put him right at the very top. At the very top. Well, there were seven other teams who saw other guys in that draft and thought they're going to be, uh, to, you know, they're going to be superstars for our team and. They're probably more surprised than the Leafs are. They were very bullish on Nylander at that time, even though there was a big push for them to go for a guy like Nick Ritchie, who's back in the news again. Obviously, Aaron Ekblad would have been, a super, you know, he would have been better, but injuries. Mm-hmm. Sam Reinhart, late in his career, is coming on, but he's been, you know, he's been traded. Sam Bennett at number four, you know, he didn't turn out to be the player. Michael Del Cole at number five didn't turn out Jake for 10 and like it, it's a pretty when you look at Leaf success stories from the draft we often pick out the guys who didn't turn out William Nylander was a brilliant pick yeah no it's a great point I mean in the Mitch Marner pick also super successful yeah. no they, they hit yeah. on those guys I'm like yeah anyone can pick Austin Matthews one uh, but those other guys it was uh, not a slam dunk guarantee and they have worked out uh, in fine fashion uh, Damien yes. happy new year Next time we talk to you, do not say Happy New Year because we've done it. We've, well, we've, yeah, we've I was going to say that's a violation right now. Like, so like, why don't you say Happy Festivus to me too? Like, yeah. <laughs> you said it. You, I wasn't going to say Happy New Year, but you okay, said it. Okay, you know what? In our first week of doing shows, he said goodbye to a guest by saying good morning to them. So it can get worse if <laughs> yeah, you want. I guess that's true. Right. Well, soon he's going to start saying good day, sir. Yeah. And then they're going to go, was that an insult? <laughs> <laughs> Damien, good morning. Thank you for doing Good day. this. See ya. Right, see ya. Damian Cox, our Leafs historian, also our insider, brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Yeah, it's it's a point we don't talk about enough. Mm. Austin Matthews won. Yeah, yeah, I could do that. You know who did it so well, though? Was Mark Hunter walking up there and having no time for shouting out anybody's draft party at, at yeah. Big Harry's Bar and Grill or whatever? From the Zurich Lions, Austin Matthews. Yeah. It was great. I loved it. So he did do a good job. But your point stands. Mitch Marner. Yeah. William Nealon. Mm-hmm. And then 
Brian Burke and Morgan Riley. Like the Morgan Riley thing. Called the shot so God, well that, yeah. man, you, yeah. It's, it's, and it's another thing to be like the Red Wings of vintage years yeah, yeah. and grabbing like the Zetterbergs and the, you know, the guys, the Hall of Famers in the fifth yeah, yeah. round or whatever. Again, like that's, if you thought they were that good, you would take them earlier. Right. But there is so much pressure to get those top 10, top 15 picks correct if yep. it's not one. And sometimes if it's mm-hmm. one, sometimes if it's Nail Yakupov, like, mm-hmm. yeah, then sometimes, sometimes you can. Or for it. that draft, literally any guy taken ahead of Morgan Riley, the top Correct. four. Yakupov, Ryan Murray, <laughs> he who shall not be named Alex Galchenyuk, sleeper cell agent, and Griffin Reinhardt is what went ahead of him in that draft. Yeah. So uh, guess what? Berkey was right. Yeah, he was right. Yeah. I, Mark Hunter was right. Leafs have been right on these first round picks. Mm-hmm. And. As much as you can, yeah. No Tyler Biggs poking around. Yeah, and like I, I know they have they've won one postseason series in the seven kicks of the can with this core, but mm-hmm. it could be a lot worse. Yeah, man. Even the, the hope could not exist without Mitch Marner and William Nylander. Yeah, I mean, even even a more recent guy who's come on, like Matthew Nyes, what a what a steal mm-hmm. of what he appears to be. Like you know, Die has not been cast and not nearly the same player we're talking about there. But it's also funny, like you know, we talk about how important it is to hit these. And I'm trying to remember which draft it was in, but the Bruins had those three first rounders in a row and they whiffed on all of them. It's like Zach Session and I forgot who the other two guys were there, but it's like Barzal's poking around there. There's so many players that they could have had in that draft. And it's funny, right? When you draft as well as a team like Boston does and they were able to build up so much, you can whiff on three straight first rounders and it kind of not affect you until maybe now. But guess what? They're still leading the Atlantic. Like it does, it, it almost further proves the point that when you draft well, you can screw up so egregiously that it actually doesn't matter coming mm-hmm. back to haunt you. Like it's it's truly remarkable. Yeah, no, drafting well um, outside of number one when it's an obvious pick can change the course of your franchise. No greater example than the Toronto Raptors who have hope because Ooh. they selected Scotty Barnes at four. Okay? And things look a lot better when he's playing alongside Emmanuel Quickly and R.J. Barrett. They're 2-0, and trying to run it to 3-0 and tonight against the Kings. But what do they do with the pending free agent that is Pascal Siakam? We'll talk to Bobby Marks, ESPN NBA front office insider next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Breaking down the top stories in hockey and Elliot Friedman every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. So not only is a third straight win on the line for the Raptors tonight in Sacramento against the Kings, Mm. a free dinner paid for by Darko Ryakovich on the line, and a pizza party for the media, but also like a potential... Extension for Pascal Siakam if they continue to play well. It's a lot, not with this win tonight, but like over the next well, month gonna, or so. I was going to say the scary thing about that is that I guarantee you between team dinner, massive extension for Pascal Siakam and free piece of pizza for the media. And mm-hmm. I can say this as a media jackal myself. The group most excited about the possibility of those things is the media and their free pizza, 1,000%. 100%. You've seen me attack the Leafs press box pizza. Yes, yeah. I mean, it's what it's there for. Same going this yeah, way. Yeah, but you do it at worst, actually. So I wasn't going to throw you okay. under the bus. You're, you're <laughs> you a bigger jackal than me. I am. Jackal. I like pizza. All right. Uh, let's talk to Bobby Marks, ESPN NBA front office insider. Bobby, uh, thanks for doing this. How's it going? I'm good, guys. Good morning. How are you? Doing very well. So how much do the upcoming results factor into the upcoming Pascal Siakam decision in your mind? 
Well, I don't know about, you know, you know, wins or losses here, but I think if, you know, from a style of play and if there's continues to be a, a comfort level with what we've seen over the last couple of games with uh, this new look roster, I think yeah, certainly that, that comes in, into play. Um, yeah, I, I just, because a guy's on an expiring contract doesn't mean you just have to go out and move him. Um, even if it's for, for nothing there here. So yeah, I think it's, you know, I think that's a big reason why, you know, the Anobi trade was done in, um, in, you know, it's a rarity, you know, I think it's, it's only the sixth, sixth time a trade's been done and before January 1st in the last five years, um, because it gives you a four week, you know, body of work to kind of examine as far as how this roster fits and everything here. And we'll see, oops, sorry guys, uh, my alarm. <laughs> we'll see if, um, if, um, you know, if more teams become, you know, more suitors here as far as from a, from a trade standpoint. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's their hardest stretch of the year. So um, it will be interesting as far as how this roster performs, certainly going out West. And they've got a couple of hard games when uh, I think Celtics and Miami, when they come back. Yeah, what do you think is going into Masai and Bobby Webster's decision in terms of the trade versus extension of, of Siakam? Because I can see a world where they have a trade price in mind and they say, okay, if that's Matt, we're happy to move on. And if not, we're happy to extend the player. But how much do you think what is out there in trades or what could potentially come out there in trades is going to impact their decision? Or I guess a better way to put it is just how would you handicap it? Do you think it's more likely that he's traded or, or extended? Or I suppose the third options there of wait and see one way or another, although I, I would be kind of surprised if they go through door number three there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think when, when when you look at it, I think you have to take a lot into consideration here. Um, you know, you know, you, you know you've got Emmanuel quickly who's going to be a restricted free agent. He's going to, you know, you're probably looking at north of 20, 25 minutes, uh, 25 million. Um, certainly if he continues <clears throat> to start, you know, as I said, are you comfortable paying both those guys, you know, $65 million per per year? And then you got Scotty coming up this off season who is extension eligible. Um, so I think there's, the, there's the financial angle of it. I think there's, there's a walkaway number. Um, as I said, you know, um, you know, the, the big reason why, you know, Toronto did the Ananobi deal was probably because nothing better was going to come their way. And if you're, if you're not going to do it on December 30th, why wait until February 8th? Um, so that's, um, so I think that's, I think you, that's why you're probably a little bit more patient patient with Siakam because you do have another month and you, and you do need to evaluate. And, and if there's nothing that comes, comes to life, um, if, the, if you're not comfortable taking back an expiring contract or multiple expiring contracts or um, draft picks or players that, yeah, they're nice players, but how does it fit going? It doesn't, you know, we're not sure how it fits. You can go into the off season here and, and you, and you still have, you know, you still have four months if you want to figure out an extension because you can do it up to June 30th. And then you can, yeah, certainly roll the dice as far as what free agency, um, you know, um, you know, brings, um, you know, the danger, as you guys saw with Fred, you know, if guy leaves for nothing, you don't get anything back. I don't think you want to go through that um, again with, uh, with, you know, the sound with Siakam. Yeah, that, that's where I was going to go with you next, Bobby, is, you know, we've spent a ton of time going back to last year's deadline and the trade they made for Pirtle talking about this team just being so patient to a point where it's hurt them. You mentioned Van Vliet there, even people, you know, I, I'm not necessarily of this opinion, but people thought they missed the natural off ramp with Kyle Lowry as well. You know, what is your perception of this Toronto front office in terms of being patient? Is it too much so? I mean, you know, patience is a virtue, but occasionally you wait so long, good opportunity 
opportunities pass you by. How is this front office perceived and how much can that possibly change depending on the way this Knicks trade plays out between now and the deadline? Yeah, I mean, I think they're, they're you know, patient to a point. You know, I mean, I, I look back on, I mean, this is a long time ago. I mean, they wound up moving the, you know, the Rudy Gay trade. I guess that was 2013. That was a mid-December trade, and it kind of shaped, you know, reshaped the, the roster there as far as how they went about. I, I think it's just about about the right opportunity coming by to make, to make a deal. Um, I always say like it takes you know, two to tango here and you need a trade partner. If you're trying to, if you're willing to get something back, that makes sense for you. RJ Barrett and, and Emmanuel quickly and a, um, a Detroit pick. That's probably going to be the 31st pick in the draft made sense for them at, at the time here. Um, so everyone reacts differently. I think when you, when there's a deadline, you know, it expedites the, um, you know, expedites the, the process here. I mean, 64 out of the last 84 trades have, have occurred in the last five years have occurred during deadline week. Mm. So they're just like any other front office. You know, I think they're, they're, they're they want to, you know, they, they've invested a lot in their own players. You know, Pascal was a drafted player. OG was a drafted player. They've developed, they've been part of the fabric. It's not easy making it's certainly not easy making trades in, in the middle of the season. And, you know, the good thing is you've got a, you know, 15 game body of work to continue to see how this, I mean, Hey, you, you go out West and you run the table or you, maybe you lose a game and you're playing at a high level and it's, you know, not going to get you into the top six, um, you know, gets you back into the play in mix here. You know, maybe it's, you know, you, 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 you do hold on to him because it, it does make you a better team. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. It's funny, you know, the, the Raptors end up uh, consummating a, a pretty significant deal with the New York Knicks and going back to that Rudy Gay trade. Of course, it was the the vetoed Kyle Lowry trade to the Knicks that allowed that that Raptors team to emerge as as uh, a generation of uh, of a winning franchise that eventually got over the hump with the with the uh, DeMar DeRozan Kawhi Leonard trade. But yeah, that 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 was a James Dolan vetoing because he he didn't have time for Masai Ujiri back then in 2013. These were two teams that I, I believe are still at war in the courts. And I know like the, the basketball stuff should override the other stuff, but like how much does personal animus come into it when you're discussing trade? Well, I mean, I think you have to put your, your personal feelings aside. Um, you know, we, we all know the litigation that's going on between, you know, the, the you know, the both sides, certainly with New York initiating it here, here, but I think you have to do what's best for the organization and it's best for the organization that, you know, um, you know, OG fits better, fits in New York and, uh, RJ and Emmanuel, you know, to, to, uh, to Toronto. I think it certainly helped that, you know, Leon Rose, who's the president of Nick's son, Sam represents OG. So that certainly probably helped grease the wheels a little bit and made it, made it a little bit of a, a, a smoother, um, you know, transition. I think it, it helped that they weren't really haggling over draft compensation. It was a, it was a, it was a per- fairly simple, uh, you know, three for two trade, were basically lined up and it, and it serves the best, you know, New York's been really good since they got on their two. Oh, Toronto has been really good. They've been two. Oh, and I think you got to put that, you know, that what you've been going through to, 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 to the side here. And they were able to do it. Uh, RJ Barrett has three more years coming his way at uh, close to, to 30 million. Um, and, and there's been some discourse about the value of that contract. How do, how do you view the remaining years? And obviously, if R.J. Barrett takes a step forward, we can view this differently. But the body of work that he's, he's shown on the court, how do you view R.J. Barrett's contract as far as value? Yeah, hey, if it was five years ago, the contract would be awful. <laughs> but it's not five years ago, and the salary cap's going to continually rise. 
um, you know, the, there's going to be some new TV money coming in. And I know you can, it can only increase, you know, 10% each year, but you know, RJ Barrett's on an, and he's not on an Andrew Wiggins contract back in Minnesota. You know, this is not a, a max contract. It's, it gives you enough, enough flexibility to continually add, um, you know, around him. I think he's, you know, he's certainly probably, he's not a franchise player. He's probably a number three on a good team. Um, maybe even a number four here. So I, I don't have an issue. I don't have an issue with the contract at all. I think we all get wrapped around that, you know, cap flexibility and cap space is like the golden rule on how to build teams. And it's not, I mean, that's, that's not how you go out about do it. It's about getting guys under contract um, and then adding, um, you know, adding pieces around that kind of fit. You know, the one thing you don't want to do is go out and you know, have three or four players earning $40 million. And now you're stuck playing the minimum, um, you know, if you don't like those three or four players, then you're stuck playing the minimum market like Phoenix has done. And, um, you know, the Lakers are attempting not to do as far as, you know, go out and trade for that third guy here. So, yeah, I don't, I don't have an issue with, um, with the Barrett contract, especially for a guy that can give you, you know, 18, 19 points. Um, yeah. I think he just has to realize, you know, and I think I saw a little bit in the, in the Cleveland game, you know, at the end of the games, like he doesn't have to be the guy, you know, you've got a lot of good players. You know, Scotty's the player, you know, if, if, the, if the, it's, the goal is to build through Scotty, you know, RJ's got to take a little bit of a backseat, but I think, I think he's a nice player here and I'm, and I'm fine with the, with the contract. Yeah. And unlike, unlike just about every other player in the NBA, and I don't say this is a slight that maybe RJ is just happier to take that role here than other players would be. You know, I've long yeah. wondered, you see it with OG. It's not like he's in all that different spot on the pecking order with the Knicks than he was with the Raptors, but it's in New York. It's not in Toronto. And obviously, you know, it being Toronto does matter more to, to RJ than it would pretty much any player who's, who's not Canadian. Uh, I have to ask you about Wembenyama. I mean, incredible game last night. It goes right down to the wire. He's blocking three when he starts at the paint he is meeting Giannis at the rim I don't think anybody is surprised seeing a game like that from him but how much does that increase the impetus of the Spurs to not slowly move this thing along but move it along immediately and to me it's twofold you know Wemby isn't your prototypical 6-8 you know wing or 6-4 guard there are potential limitations in terms of how long we can expect this to go on we've seen players of that size it almost always it almost never ends in a long lengthy run how how much is there an impetus on the Spurs to really kind of push this rebuild forward especially seeing a game like that from Wembenyama last night yeah, I mean, I think the best thing that happened in San Antonio was that they decided to move him to, 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 to the center position. Um, and he's, he's had that for the last, I think, three weeks here, and he's played a lot better, and I think he's, he's more comfortable. But, I mean, the reality is they're 5-29, and 29, so they're not, they're not going to go into the trade deadline and say, you know what, we've got these Atlanta picks, and we've got the Toronto pick, and we've got all these picks, and we're just going to go <laughs> all in now. Not suggesting that. <laughs> <laughs> so I think this year has been, I mean, listen, they need to get a point guard. I mean, and I like Trey Jones. Um, you know, they're not starting him. they they got to go out and get a point guard. You know, if you're going to build around Victor, you got to go out and get a point guard here. Um, and so that's, I think for me, that would probably be the goal one. Um, and I still think you kind of use the year, um, you know, you can kind of continually evaluate as far as what fits. It's almost like an experiment year. That the, the unfortunate thing is that victors probably won't win rookie year. You know, which is a shame because, as you saw last night against Milwaukee, there are moments and there are games like that where, you know, he's better than Chet Holmgren, who, you know, in in Oklahoma City. And I always want, I don't have a vote in this, but I always wonder, like, if you reverse roles, 
and you put Victor on a team that's oh you know, 13, God. 14 games under over 500, <laughs> you know, is the, is the media talking like, you know, hey, this guy's the rookie, you know, but, but because you're 5 and 29 and, and he's not going to be playing back to back games and he's got a minutes restriction of, you know, he only played, what, 25, 26 minutes last night, there's a restriction there, then, you know, people look at it in a different way. But no, he, he, can, he's, he can be ex- special. I mean, the block he had on Giannis um, last night was. You know, as good as you've you've seen the ability to make threes, I think if, you know the the comfort level for him is a little bit in the mid range around you know certainly closer to the basket here. But um, but there yes, but there does get a point where like if we're next year talking, you like man, Bobby, they're five and thirty again. Like what is going on here? There does get a point because you know as I say, contracts contracts are guaranteed to a point. You know there does get to a point where players do get frustrated and getting your teeth kicked in every night. Yeah, it's uh, it again. It's remarkable. We've already seen how many impressive highlights from him this year. But that Giannis play at the rim. If you told me he's doing that in year four, year five, I say yeah, for sure. No, no problem believing that. But looking the way he does right now, having the strength to meet him there, that was just uh, quite honestly jaw dropping. And last one before we let you go, Bobby. It's it's perfect. You mentioned the Thunder there because that's the team I wanted to end on. I mean, I always am keeping tabs on them just because of SGA of it all, and you know, I've sort. Jamal Murray, but uh, until further notice, he's Captain Canada. But the team they've got going on there, it's kind of the inverse of the Spurs. They are a fully formed killing machine, and they have all of the assets available to them. How do you expect them to continue to kind of trot along with this machine? Because again, you don't want to you don't want to make too big a swing one way or another, but you also want to continue to improve, and you don't want to just you know rest on your laurels and assume it will be internal improvement year over year how do you see the thunder using the draft capital they've got be it next year be it or sorry be it this year or in the you know really immediate future yeah i mean they've got like a you know a three-year window before it gets really expensive i mean that that's the reality of it here and there's part of you that says you know what let this team just breathe let them get to the playoffs let's see what they look like in the first round or the second round or maybe they can go pretty far here and then there's another part of you be like, you know what? They need to be aggressive at the trade deadline. They need to go out and get a big, uh, another big. They had protect Holmgren. You know, they're basically last in defensive and off and, and rebounding percentage here. Um, so there's two ways to look at it there. I, you know, basically their top eight or top nine are off the table, you know, in any discussion. So it's basically kind of a process of elimination. Um, you know, Sam Presti's made the most trades of any executive, um, you know, in the league since 2007. Um, but... He's also very, very, very patient as far as how he's going to build out this roster and how he sees fits. And I said, I said this the other day, like, is the, is the roster, is the locker room mature enough to handle a player outside of their own? Because they do not add players outside of their own players that they draft. You know, there's a rarity. You know, Shea was in the third year of his rookie contract. Bertans is a veteran here. Uh, Lou Dort, they drafted, but then, um, you know, basically uh, he went undrafted and then they, they basically signed him right away. So they don't go out and, and that's not how they build here. So I think you can go, you know, as I said, one or two ways, just let this thing develop and see where they are. Maybe you got to address something in the off season, or is there something out there at the deadline where you can get a big and it's not going to cost you dearly. And he, and he can kind of give you another, you know, some more size because you're going to face what Denver or Minnesota, or maybe even the Lakers. And those teams are, you know, three to bigger teams. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's, uh, some real intrigue as we headed uh, head towards the uh, February NBA trade deadline. Uh, and some of it exists here in Toronto. Bobby, uh, always appreciate the time. Thanks for doing this. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.
There's Bobby Marks, ESPN, NBA, front office, insider. I, I am looking at the Oklahoma Thunder draft pick cash. No, oh, it's just... You have you stopped scrolling because you could do it forever. I would imagine it's a lot. This upcoming draft, they got the Clippers pick. They have actually not their own pick, but they've got Houston's pick. That's better. Uh, it's protected through four, but uh, still yeah, better. Yeah, yeah well, it's good. Uh, they got Utah's <laughs> pick that's protected uh, one through ten. Next year, they have their own pick, and they have the best of the Rockets or the Clippers pick. Plus they have the Heat's pick. Plus they have the Sixers pick, uh, one through six protected. These are just first round picks too. Right, like I'm not talking seconds about seconds and yeah. Yeah, no, and guess what? And not all of those, they're, they're not lottery picks that we're talking about. In fact, they're all lottery protected. And these are all teams that are currently in playoff positions. Mm-hmm. Plus they have the future picks from like, like in the year 10 million yes. that they also have. But no, the time to strike is right now. Like obviously... Like Chet Holmgren, another one of those guys who, well, he missed an entire season. Yeah. but Fake like rookie, by the way. Yeah, I know. And we've done this with Blake Griffin mm-hmm. as well. I don't know. I, I don't necessarily have a problem with it. Um, I'm not going to get bent out of shape. I, I love to complain, but even I'll find a place to draw the line. Yeah. Eventually. But like Chet Holmgren as well, like again, a guy that we've seen miss an entire year. How long do you expect him to be healthy for? We're making the Wemby argument. Yeah. No, fair. I That team has to go for it. And I get it. Like there's a dynastic team potentially in Denver. Who's not taking the regular season nearly as as seriously as you might expect somebody who isn't as proven as they now are uh, in front of you in the Western conference. No, they, they got to do something, man. The the people of Oklahoma city, if, if they have any anger in them at all, I I don't know if that exists, but like, yeah, you got to be screaming at this front office, Sam Presti to, to throw some of those picks out the window. If you, if you can at all, help your team win a championship uh, this season. I feel like they're only angry at Sam Presti, but he he has kind of done a make good here by building this team up or uh, tornadoes. That's the only things I could mm. see them getting worked up about uh, in, in Oklahoma City. They do seem very, very nice. And, you know, the salaries, like they said, there's no way where it makes sense to make it work. But, you know, just to tie it back to Toronto, it's like there's a team that needs size would like what Pascal Siakam do for them? He's not a traditional big in that regard. And it'd be very interesting to see Siakam on a completely different planet in terms of his spot in the, the, the pecking order and the shots he gets. It'd be interesting to see. And obviously I'm just sitting here because, you know, I know the Raptors got a lot of nice pieces in the OG trade, but I'd also like them to have, you know, some future pieces because they traded away their own first round pick to get Jakob Pertl. There's no way it could work, but you do close your eyes and wonder, like Siakam feels like as good a trade chip in terms of a player available as anybody else out there. If you're really looking to push in, if you're really looking to do it, is there not something there again? I don't think the salaries could make it make sense. Mm. Thanks for that rule, NBA. But yeah, it's in, it 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 did make me wonder when Bobby was talking about size and them needing to make a move now versus in the future. I don't know, something to wonder. Yeah, we talk about Brad for living in the Johnny Goudreau situation, informing mm-hmm. his decision making. Maybe with William Nylander, mm-hmm. does the Fred Van Vliet situation inform things when it comes to Pascal Siakam? This teams with cap space. I mean, we just mentioned yeah. one. You know, in the Spurs, and yep. I mean, timeline-wise, like no, that, that doesn't make happen. a ton of sense. But there's <laughs> other teams out there that can make it happen for Pascal Siakam. He's going, like, you, you may not want to do it, mm-hmm. but yeah, he's earned himself a max deal. Yeah. Can you, in consecutive years, let 
two all-stars no, no, walk out no, the door no, for nothing? No, If Pascal Siakam walks out the door and you just have your, like, precious Achua sign-in trade to show for it, absolutely not. That cannot happen. And I know it could be worse. You could have the Fred Van Vliet, which was nothing, nothing. But, yeah, you can't have that happen. And I don't see the, – the worry I do have is if Masai and Bobby are emboldened by the OG trade saying, meh, there we go, put one back in the win ledger. Remember yeah. the title? Emboldened. Well, you told us all we had to do it. You told us we had to do it th- here and then and now. And guess what? I waited. I did it on my timeline, and look what I have to show for it. Yeah, which, I do wonder if it emboldens. Well, them. and that's the type of trade that you'd be looking like. Oh you wouldn't my God, be looking. If you could make that trade again. Sure, and it's yeah. I mean, again, like back to the Blake Murphy's uh, article from a couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago about the type of trade you're trying to consummate if you're the Raptors in this particular competitive quote-unquote window it's not for first round picks right mm-hmm. like this is scotty barnes already here yep. it's for players who have the potential to take a next step that aren't in situations that allow them to do so like mm-hmm. emmanuel quickly and a guy who maybe is undervalued or you know not properly valued in rj barrett considering the contract and mm-hmm. in a different pecking order in new york could you do that again with pascal siagam uh, so my weekend's about to start like yeah, yeah. gonna go to the indoor mm-hmm. golf thing oh, with my kids today great. you're gonna go you're going to go to the dentist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Fun. Teeth pulled out. Yeah. That's, that's good luck. I no. Guess. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's going to be great. Uh-uh. You'll be fine. No. Uh, so I'll see you on Tuesday. You will see me on Tuesday. All right. Well, enjoy the dentist. Mm-hmm. Fairly well, wisdom teeth. All right. Uh, have a great weekend, everybody. This has been the Fan Morning Show. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590's Ben. Good morning. <laughs>